This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 334 of the Yellow Wallport. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about Dortmund Schelecking Peter Stöger, a Brazilian Heinier Jesus joining on a two-year loan deal from Real Madrid, Kevin Großkreuz, big day and we will answer some listener questions and for all that and more joins me Matthias Zug. Hello Matthias, how are you doing? Hi Stefan, I'm melting. How are you doing? <laughs> Why is that always the answer? <laughs> Lars had the exact same answer last last week. Uh, why are you melting? Is it hot in Colorado or are you, uh, well, I don't know, on a summer vacation somewhere uh, on a hotter place? No, I mean, it's it's hot in Colorado. I mean, thankfully I live up in the mountains, so for us hot is like 29, 30 degrees celsius so is that like 85 86 degrees uh <laughs> but don't and you then it americans pride yourselves <laughs> with all the acs you have everywhere how come we don't you, have you air conditioning what we have the outdoors Stefan. we do not have air conditioning at almost 8,000 feet of elevation in colorado we open up the windows because at night the temperature drops down about 52 degrees so uh, which is about what 12 degrees celsius so it's uh it's nice and cool in the evening once the sun dips behind the mountain all is good but no air conditioning here all right Mel melt away then anyway uh be before we begin i uh made Lars do this and uh, i will uh, make you do the same and that is uh for uh, new time listeners since it's sort of the start of a new season and uh so everyone can introduce themselves a little bit to uh Listeners who may have just picked up the yellow wall pot and doesn't know exactly who is behind which and what voice. So Matthias, uh, I guess the old guy <laughs> of the yellow wall pot, you uh, may introduce yourself a little bit. Well, you took my intro away. I'm old. Um, no, I'm not that old, you know. I'm, I'm barely above 40, which obviously for you guys is really old since you're barely 30. Um, but uh, so what does it say about myself? I, I started the Yellow Wall uh, podcast back in 2012. God, it's already been eight years. That's insane. Uh, lifelong Borussia Dortmund supporter uh, from Westfalen, from the Münsterland originally, and uh, have kind of been uh, following the ups and downs from Borussia Dortmund since earliest childhood. So that would put it into the early to mid 1980s and uh yeah you know i mean starting the lol podcast eight years ago and then stefan you joining i think halfway through that season roughly um and and you taking it to the next level so uh yeah that's that's who i am i'm the old guy yeah yeah i'm still waiting for someone else to take it to level three <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no but I, i i guess i'm the only one actually born and raised in in dortmund well actually i'm not born in dortmund sadly because my mother was working as a nurse in witten which is a little uh 
town 20 kilometers outside of Dortmund, but uh, I guess raised in Dortmund still. Grew up uh, stone throws away from the Westfalen Stadion, so uh, I never really had much choice in uh, picking a club, to be honest. Um, but yeah, that's uh, obviously all nice and well, Matthias, and I'm very glad you said the Yellow Wallpot, or we wouldn't have this show in our... What is it now? Eighth season or ninth season? Uh, it's starting know. the ninth season, yeah. yeah. But I will, I will add a disclaimer. My grandfather and that side of the family, my mother's side of the family, originally comes from Dortmund, uh, so there, there is Dortmund blood there for sure. <laughs> well, uh, funny you mention that because my parents uh, should be big rivals when it comes to football because my mother is from Gelsenkirchen and my dad is from Dortmund and. Uh, they picked a flat, like I said, outside of uh, the Westfalen Stadium, maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes on by, by foot or so, and none of them really cares about football, so <laughs> they, they both couldn't care less, which is probably, uh, yeah, quite, quite well, because having a mother as a Schalke fan would absolutely suck, so it's good that... Uh, this isn't the case, but uh, still greetings to my uncles who uh, will look forward to an absolutely terrible season. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, anyway, before we talk even more nonsense, uh, it's time to announce the sponsor of this episode. And the episode is sponsored by our longtime listener, Nicholas Campion. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Who wants to give a shout out to us? That's right. He wanted to thank us for our commitment over the years. And he is looking forward to another year of great content along with epic Matthias rants. So Matthias, pressure is on. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, prepared in quotation marks a rant for today. No, there's not really a lot to rant about right now. No. I mean, it's, not yet. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll talk again in a month. <laughs> anyway, if you want to sponsor an episode, go to patreon.com slash for more information. And uh, now I guess it is time for for us to talk a little bit about the 11-2 win uh, of Dortmund against Austria Wien. Uh, I don't know, have you actually seen the game? Maybe I should start with that. <laughs> I just saw some highlights, you know. That's kind of one of those things. I don't really pay attention to preseason friendlies. I rarely, if ever, have watched any unless I happen to be in town and they happen to be in town. And I went and live to see it but watching it on youtube or anything like that it's like nah all right whatever that's that's how much weight i tend to give preseason friendlies yeah i mean um it's it's more entertaining right now if you watch the Schalke preseason friendlies to be honest um but no i i think i think it was a, another positive uh yeah showing of of the boys especially you know the the kids the 17 year olds and 20 year olds are uh, really fun and Jude Bellingham once again uh, looking rather good but uh, yeah obviously we do not know how this really pans out once the season starts I guess the good news for Dortmund is that uh, Marco Royce is back in team training at least uh, Matthias are you uh, 
encouraged by that or uh, do you still think that uh, the team captain will probably miss a fair stretch oh i mean obviously i'm optimistic about it um i guess we'll have to wait and see as far as if he gets any minutes in any of the friendlies uh and and i guess i have to revise my statement before when it comes to not really caring about preseason friendlies obviously fitness is the one thing i do care about in particular uh injury rehab or not getting injured in preseason friendlies that definitely is of interest i think if he's already starting in team training uh maybe we'll see him in about a month maybe when the season kicks off uh but uh i think it'll be a gradual coming back but he should be back to full fitness i would estimate at latest in october we'll see him in the starting 11 at some point uh as far as missing any other long stretches in the season i mean it's Marco Royce. unfortunately he's had very few seasons where he didn't have injuries, longer-term injuries. So hopefully this will be one of those, but odds are he's going to miss a few weeks here or there at minimum. Yeah, it's really frustrating because he injured himself and his doctors during a shot in the German Cup against Werder Bremen, which Dortmund obviously lost 3-2. Um, and it's been half a year now and when uh, the season, the last season was still ongoing, there were speculations whether he would return... Uh, toward the end of the season but uh, they said they will deliberately take it slower and then when he wanted to uh, pick up team training then uh, he felt pain in the uh, place where he picked up his injury when he took shots and uh, then Dortmund said at the end of July that uh, you know he is for now out indefinitely and uh, you know there were some speculations bubbling up here and there that he may need surgery, which is obviously less uh, than ideal. But uh, luckily now he is uh, re-entered dream training. But, you know, they're trying to ease him into it. And, uh, you know, I, I actually yesterday, because I don't have anything better to do apparently, but I was writing a little column for uh, our patrons. And I actually uh, sat down again because the kicker wrote the other day that uh, Marco Royce missed like 57% of the games and I wanted to double check whether that's actually true. And uh, it's sort of true. Uh, so he played 57% or 57.59% of all minutes uh, since arriving at Dortmund in 2012, I think. So pretty much when you started the podcast, uh, Marco Royce played a little bit over... Uh, half of uh, the minutes, the, the games he played in at least is at 66.83%. And so then again, I, I looked at the last four seasons and uh, the minutes played is then only at 46.6%. And uh, the minutes missed, obviously, in, in return at 534 So, uh, you know, it's 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 sadly not a good trend for Marco Royce. And I really hope that he uh, can finally overcome this. But uh, yeah, it's it's sad, and uh, you know this is I guess also why Dortmund signed uh, Heinier Chechus from uh, Real Madrid. You know the eighteen year old kid who, uh, you know I think Michel Zorc said they have been uh, scouting for about two years or so a little bit longer, uh, in, and and uh, now needed another addition because they now games come in thick and fast. Um, Matthias, I don't expect you to be an insider uh, when it comes to that particular 18-year-old that uh, joined 
Real Madrid uh, in last winter and didn't play for them because I think there's like a non-EU player rule where uh, in, in Spain you can play more than uh, three non-EU players and uh, they have already three other Brazilians that they like to play. So I guess that was the main reason why he never featured for them. Uh, but I guess in, in playing side, he is supposed to be a little bit similar to Marco Royce, others say Giorena, others say Kai Havertz. So um, I think Lucien Favre said he's like a false nine-ish kind of candidate, likes to play most of the time in the center behind the strikers, so maybe number 10. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see, but um, overall, what are your thoughts on, on that addition? Well, um, I've seen him described as a classic old-school number 10 Whatever the hell that means. Um, you know, uh, I know he play. I saw snippets of him when he was still playing for Flamenco, and, and he was um, quite integral when they won the Copa America, if I remember correctly. Copa Libertadores. Uh, Copa, Copa Libertadores, sorry. Copa international tournament, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, but whatever. One of the Copas. <laughs> uh, no, I, no, when they beat... Well, yeah, when they beat um, River Plate, I believe, in the final. And uh, a crazy final. But other than that, I'm not very up to speed on him. I'm going to trust... The judgment, I mean, I knew little to nothing of Ashraf Hakimi uh, before he came uh, because there were only snippets to be seen, really. Uh, so I'm going to trust the the judgment of it. And obviously Dortmund did well with the last young two-year loan signing from Real Madrid. For Madrid, this is great because Dortmund know how to develop players. He's going to get uh, quality minutes if he performs well. Uh, one thing I did read, though, that um, he, he's had some scholastic issues um, in, I think, I don't remember if he flunked out or failed out or something, but either way, last school year, he only attended two hours of school because he was focused on football and everything. And, and I mean, I get it. When I was 18, you know, I'd skip school here or there as well uh, if, if it wasn't like a major thing. But I don't know. Stuff like that. Sometimes I'm like, eh, okay, you know, there's some maturity issues. Again, he's just a kid. Everybody has maturity issues as a kid. But hopefully that won't actually be a major issue. Maybe it's just a side issue. Um, but uh, I think it can only benefit him as a player. It benefits Real Madrid. If it benefits Borussia Dortmund, honestly, only time will tell. Well, he did say in his little interview when Dortmund presented him that he is right now uh, trying to learn English and German. Uh, I will reserve any comment on uh, any missed days or hours in school. <laughs> I feel like as a 30-year-old, I still too have uh, immaturity problems here and there. Uh, but uh, no, uh, honestly, um, I, I guess he will have to learn a little bit. Uh, I may maybe when you join Dortmund at this point, it actually makes more sense to learn French. Um, but uh, if you look at the squad, I don't think there are too many uh, players that can actually speak Portuguese. I don't know if uh, Rafael Guerrero speaks it. I, I, I assume since uh, he's playing for the Portuguese national team. Uh, I don't know if Giovanni Reina speaks it. Uh, I would have to ask him. Uh, and uh, who else has a Portuguese background? Uh, I don't know. You know, the only one who I know speaks Portuguese in the club is Daniel Stolper, the uh, uh, international press officer. 
Um, so yeah, when, when it comes to communicating with others, uh, he will need to pick it up a little bit more. I assume, uh, he, he talks a bit more Spanish now after spending half a year in Madrid. So he can maybe talk to, uh, Moray and, and such, but yeah, communication is obviously key. And, um, we all know that especially Brazilian players, uh, sometimes have a hard time integrating unless your name is Dede. <laughs> so um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see about that. But uh, overall, it's, ex ex it's exciting to get a little bit uh, of Brazilian flair back into the Bundesliga and back to Dortmund because uh, we didn't really have a Brazilian player since Felipe Santana. And uh, I wouldn't say that he uh, had a lot of Joga Bonito going on for him. So uh yeah, my, minus that uh, game in Malaga, obviously. So yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued how uh, this pans out. Uh, Michael Zorc said yesterday, I think that um, the uh, this season will give the word rotation a new meaning. I don't know if Lucien Favre will stick to that as well, um, but. If we go back to the comment of Favre that he basically wants two full teams uh, for this season, um, Lars today wrote a little piece for Fußball.News that uh, Dortmund definitely need a right centre-back. Would you agree? Because uh, right now uh, Thomas Meunier is out injured with a muscle tear for, I don't know, two to five weeks, however long it takes. Dan Axel Zagadou... Uh, is out with the knee injury and then you basically have Homels Akanji and Emre Can if you want to count him as, as centre-backs. Obviously Monier is a right-back but I just wanted to mention him as an injured defender and Masic Mess is also injured, I should mention. So, uh, you know, I feel like Dortmund at the back are a little bit uh, stretched thin already. Yeah, I mean, obviously you've got like I said, you know, I mean, you've got Pischek there, um, but you can't necessarily count on him to always be able to play every match at this point, even though I think going into his final match as a professional footballer, uh, season, sorry, um, he's probably going to be very, very motivated to give, make it his best. So that's actually kind of nice. Um, I, I would say a, a backup right back. Uh, right center back if there is a back three um would it wouldn't be a bad option um on paper theoretically there are quite a few players there but um it, it may not be bad i don't know if it's honestly going to happen i don't know if there's any sense of that being a priority at this point though yeah i feel like favre won something but uh, I don't know if Dortmund thinks uh, th there's a feasible player out there I assume at this point if you bring in someone it will be on loan but it's it's kind of weird because you would need to find a center back either either would be a talent or a more established player that somewhere else is a bit disregarded you know would have a feasible wage demand and at the same time would be happy to play backup <laughs> so uh if if you uh you know have have these uh cares characteristics um and and demand for for a backup center back it's it's really tough to to find something on the market uh i think last mentioned uh, papa socrates from arsenal obviously ex Dortmund player um to to bring him back for example um which tells you already um 
yeah how how little options are available out there um so yeah it's 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 going to be interesting but i feel like if if dortmund uh, need to do something still in the transfer market it's probably more in the back line than uh, anywhere else i mean we have talked uh, endlessly about the situation at the very top that they only have one out and out striker with Arling Haaland. um but uh, yeah it's it's uh <laughs> it's not great <laughs> i'll say this because uh, if either hummels or kanji uh, get injured and we all know about uh, hummels's back problems and akanji's hip problems uh you know uh the dortmund then i don't know need to play with uh, collins or so at the back so yeah i'm not i'm not really uh too too happy about that but uh, overall so far uh how do you like the uh, transfer markets panning out for dortmund and uh since i haven't discussed it with you yet how happy are you about jane sancho staying on well i think uh overall uh it's been a good uh transfer market for dortmund i think Meunier will will prove valuable uh in the mid to long run uh, i think he's definitely a defensive upgrade at right back um but i just think an overall upgrade he's a very good player jude bellingham another young english player for the future knowing that Jaden sancho will leave i think uh this will be his last season and the fact that he is staying uh, doesn't really surprise me just because i don't think Manchester united want to kind of match the price tag that not just Dortmund demand but honestly Jaden Sancho is worth uh, just because it's the COVID year doesn't mean you have to sell him at a cut rate. Don't want, uh, despite posting officially a loss, uh, this uh, an operational loss this season. Um, they're still pretty flush with cash. They can they can afford to keep him around at least another season, and then look at it again after the season, um, uh, and and then you know, probably get more into the area of where the value is. And maybe another, a couple of other clubs will pop in then as well. So I, I think overall, don't want to strengthen nicely. And Reina, as I will always <laughs> call him now, uh, coming in from Real Madrid. I mean, from an attacking standpoint, that wasn't really a major issue aside from maybe another striker. Um, Dortmund will be very dangerous going forward. I think even more dangerous now, more options, more versatility, uh, very solid overall. But yeah, I mean, uh, another backup central defender and then you've, you've, got all the parts in that you really need at this point um so no i've been very pleased uh in particular with keeping the core of the team together yeah definitely i mean um if we look at the second half of last season uh you could see that something was growing together a little bit and uh, i'm definitely excited about the uh ascent of giorena i think he will uh play obviously a more prominent role uh Still waiting on his first Bundesliga goal, uh, for crying out loud. But uh, yeah, the, the preseason so far and uh, the uh, never-ending praise from Lucien Favre has at least indicated that uh, that's exactly what he'll do, especially in the absence of Royce. Um, so yeah, I th I think that's uh, all, all in all a, a very uh, positive preseason, especially of uh, all your uh, talents and stars that you only lose. Achraf Hakimi is uh, quite great and obviously i'm very much looking forward to the partnership of Haaland and sancho on on the field uh that's obviously going to be spectacular and uh 
Yeah, I'm also a bit excited about Jude Bellingham and where he will uh, be utilized, uh, whether he will play as a number eight uh, or number six or number ten. Uh, many options for, for Mr. Farus, so I'm uh, already biting my fingernails uh, to see that very first lineup sheet uh, and hoping no one in the meantime gets injured again. So, um, yeah, speaking of uh, the uh, financial numbers, what I found interesting that uh, Hans-Joachim Watzke, the CEO of Dortmund, uh, said that uh, Dortmund uh, have a turnover if if you uh, don't calculate the, the, the winnings they make from that transfer business that uh, right now the turnover is at around 370 million, which isn't bad for a club uh, of Dortmund's size. And... Uh, it's also rather competitive, I would say, and usually they would grow even further. But uh, right now, obviously, uh, that's impossible due to the COVID crisis. And uh, what I also thought was uh, interesting and really, uh, yeah, pictures the uh, financial despair, especially football clubs in Germany are in. I mean, Dortmund are a very big club, and others may have not a as as big of a loss on a, on a match day revenue, but Dortmund are losing about uh, 4 million euros per match day at uh, per, per home game, I, I should say. So that's already quite a lot of money, uh, Matthias. Um, but as you said, they, they the, the club itself said that they will be fine for an extended period of not having any fans. Um, do you think that we will see fans coming back anytime soon? Because if I'm looking at the... Uh, the discussions between uh, club officials and politicians in Germany, I'm I'm rather pessimistic. And obviously, uh, I think yesterday uh, Germany announced the highest uh, number of cases since April. So uh, the, uh, the the curve is going up again. Yeah, I mean, um, I I know Union Berlin is always pushing for it, which is always weird that they're they're like really loud and vocal about this. Um, you know, and, and when you look at uh, the analysts of those those increased numbers in Germany, obviously it's very focused on certain groups, people coming back from vacation, people who've had gone to large gatherings and parties and not socially distanced, etc., etc. So obviously a <laughs> Guess football what the stadium. Football game is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit of a of a tight space there. I mean well, do I think we will see a full Westfalenstadion in this next season? No, I don't. Um, uh, the season after, so what would that be? Twenty one, twenty two. I think so. I think I think we'll we'll get a little bit more back there. Do I see any fans coming for the rest of twenty twenty? No. Uh, do I see maybe some? form of fan returns this season maybe but the question is why at that point you know why are you doing it because the amount of fans that that you would be able to get in and have the correct distances and so on uh are is that 
to make some fans happy? How do you choose those fans? You know, I mean, how do you pick anybody at any point? I forget which club it was, but I, I read something on Kika that some club is not doing uh, Dawa Cotton, so not doing season tickets for the season for obvious reasons. Um, and then if you do bring in some fans, say you do it a third of the capacity, because then you can guarantee people stay apart from one another to a point because people people still be fools man (laughs) um but then you have to look at the operating expenses from the club uh from the community because you still need police there um security you need to bring in more staff to hey are you going to have concessions open Probably not. Um, if you do, what's that going to look like? Obviously, you're not going to be filling up, you know, is it going to be bottled beer? Well, <laughs> you can't have bottles. So it brings with it so many logistical issues that I just don't see a point for it because you're not really going to get huge stadium atmosphere because you can't have big blocks of ultras who are standing together, chanting and jumping and sweating and spitting, you know, not voluntarily spitting at each other, but it can happen. Um, so it's kind of like, why? You know, I, I personally don't see a reason for it. Um, it's, it's too much of a risk still at this point. I'm not a COVID alarmist, as you know, Stefan. I'm not one who lives in fear of it for many reasons that I've also alluded to, even based on my own medical background. Um, but I still believe – I always tell people I'm not scared of COVID, but I don't need to go looking for it. And if you invite 80,000 people into a stadium, you're going to be looking for it. So I just – I don't see – fans coming back. I don't see a point in fans coming back for this next season. I would say just at least for the rest of 2020, no. And then you'll kind of have to see what's possible and why. Why would you do it at that point? Well, I would add that uh, Borussia Dortmund have hired an IT company uh, that sets up like, a, I guess, a raffle for season ticket holders because uh, for the uh, case that Dortmund do invite fans back and I guess paying fans uh, in, in in that scenario uh, you, you would have to have a raffle but um, yeah I, I, I think most fans you know actually stadium goers are of the opinion that either everyone can go or no one should go but uh, on the other hand I don't know how, how practical that is and I, I assume there will be a phase in Um. What the uh, president of Union Berlin is arguing is that uh, basically right now there are only uh, 600,000 COVID tests being used in Germany and the capacity, I think the weekly capacity is uh, 1.2 million and he says, well, if there's uh, available capacity, we could maybe use 20,000 fans uh, uh, tests to test fans and uh, he says, if you want to spot the disease, maybe that's uh, one extra way to do it and uh, so basically he would rely on uh, his fans getting a test and then, uh, I don't know, 36 hours later, they can uh, or, or however long it takes, they can all go into the stadium. Theoretically, that might uh, sound like a bright idea but as the uh, mayor of berlin pointed out a um practicality is uh, not applicable here 
as as well as it sounds and also if you let 20,000 fans into the uh, Alte Försterei in Berlin then there are 35 other first and second Bundesliga clubs who also want to uh, have similar concepts but uh, maybe there will be a test case somewhere in Germany uh, where uh, things are being tried out because we mentioned it uh, before the uh, financial strain is obviously very capable for a lot of teams uh, without the match day revenue but uh, yeah that's just something uh, clubs will have to live with for for probably the the majority of this season because i don't i don't think uh, either that uh, we will see uh, large <laughs> crowds in, in in stadiums anytime soon uh, especially uh, with i think german authorities so far airing on on the uh, more cautious side and also uh, I, I think overall have been pretty responsible in in the treatment of of this pandemic so um yeah it's it's kind of sad to say that the you know Westfalenstein will be empty or, or mostly empty for an, an entire season that's sort of not what we all want to hear and see but uh, yeah sadly that's that's how the situation is, is right now um but Matthias it gets even more depressing because we have a new segment, and uh, that's the Schalke segment. <laughs> and uh, that's because Schalke look like uh, they're dead in the water right now. Uh, they lost their last two friendlies against the fourth division team, Veal, <laughs> and uh, then also a 3-1 loss against KFC Uerding, Uh a team that Dortmund, I think, defeated in the German Cup at the beginning of last season. And, uh, uh, yeah, KFC Uerding are in the third division. And, of course, uh, have a player called Kevin Großkreuz. And Kevin Großkreuz scored in this particular game. It was uh, from the spot. Uh, someone got fouled. And, of course, who else would uh, shoot from the spot other than Kevin Großkreuz? And uh, I actually looked it up. And it was his first goal against Schalke. Um, Matthias, uh, I've, I've, I've seen the, I, I, I guess good 60 minutes of, of that Schalke team in, uh, against Uerding. And I have to say, they are dreadful. <laughs> like, um, if, if you watch the Dortmund uh, preseason friendly, and I know you're not, uh, trying to glean too much from it, but Jesus Christ, this is so bad. And, uh, you know, there are already rumors that, uh, Dave Wagner may be out soon. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know about you, but, uh, I feel like the uh, prediction that Schalke will be relegated, uh, is, uh, you know, it's, it's still very early in the season, but, uh, it, it looks more likely than unlikely at this point. You know, I, I said I don't really care about preseason friendlies. That's specific to Dortmund when things are going well. Um, because it's like, all right, so they beat Austria Wien. Okay, and 11 2 is a little high. I mean, if I were an Austria Wien fan, I'd be like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah, if I was Peter Schlüger, um, I would be like, guys, oh, yeah. I, 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 I saved you here. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> Cut me a little slack. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I got you in the Champions League, man. I'm a Champions League manager. Um, but if things are going poorly, like you can have a bad friendly, you know, you're just not into it or whatever. But to have two and fail, um, who, who will be playing against Poison Munster, fortunately in the Regionalliga, uh, this season. I mean, that's just, that's beyond bad. And, and 
the problem you have with the likes of Schalke is you can't have preseason friendlies like this because of the way you played for six months, uh, how you ended the season. You know everyone's looking at you. You know everybody thinks you're crap. And you have to show up in matches like that. Yes, Kevin Goldskoitz scoring in a preseason friendly, of course, against uh, Schalke. That's poetic justice at its best. But uh, for Schalke in itself, it's um, definitely worrisome. Given how they played and performed uh, or down the stretch of the Bundesliga, you can't have... You can't have performances like this when you know your fan base is on edge. And I just don't see uh, David Wagner lasting out the season, to be honest. Yeah. Do you think, though, that uh, whoever replaces him can do a better job? Or do you think this side right now is actually just uncoachable? I think it's just a bad team. Um, you look at the fact that, of course, Nubel is gone. Kelly Jury, who isn't a good Bundesliga player, in my opinion, like he's not great. He's maybe average, but somehow oddly talismanic for them. Uh, he's gone. Um, then you don't know the people that went out on loan that are technically back. Are they going to leave again? Uh, and then now the big rumors around that Weston McKinney, who, even though I'm not a big fan of Weston McKinney, uh, is really their only shining light that they had, but that he could be off to Southampton. Um, I, I, what's there left? Who's going to go to a cash strap team that isn't playing for Europe, that won't be challenging for Europe, that is playing poor football, uh, that's kind of becoming a running joke? Um, I, I think, I mean, I don't think they're going to get relegated. I think there are worse teams. In the Bundesliga, uh, maybe teams that just don't have enough about them. I think, you know, Union Berlin will be struggling a bit. I think Bremen will be struggling again. Bielefeld, of course, I believe will be struggling. Um, but uh, that they are going to be battling against relegation, I think that's absolutely. And I think whether it's David Wagner or somebody else, they're not going to perform miracles at this point because I just don't think they're going to have that uh, first Tedesco season in terms of just crazy blind-ass luck. Yeah, well, you never know with Schalke. Sometimes they are very lucky. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, if 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 there's really one thing that really uh, encaptures uh, the uh, absolute state that Schalke are in, is uh, yesterday's kicker reported that Schalke uh, have given up on the contract negotiations with uh, Suat Serra, who was uh, one of their uh, you know players that can actually kick the ball around for a little bit. His contract runs out in 2022, and. Uh, you know, they said he won. He sh he was supposed to be a building block for the future, but uh, they said, "Well, we're giving up uh, on on any contract negotiations right now because it's just hopeless." And uh, I mean, that's that's quite frank to sort of. I don't know if you want to say leak that to kicker or just tell it to kicker, but um, yeah, uh, sort of describes uh, in in what kind of position they are in because they're saying look we're just lacking the arg arguments right now we're not uh, a we're not able to offer champions league football or europa league or anything and uh, i think they also have uh, because they really need to uh, restrain themselves financially they uh, put a, a salary cap on on themselves which means that no player i guess now can can earn more than 2.5 million euros per year which, uh, in the great scheme of things, isn't uh, isn't all that much if you want to compete in the in the Bundesliga. So, um, 
you know, a, a club like Schalke usually should have at least a couple of players on a, at least a 5 million euro salary here and there. So, yeah, it's it's really not going great for them. And, uh, um, I mean, this is sort of the, the consequence for them of uh, being mismanaged by Clemens Tönnies for all these years and taking blood money from Gazprom and uh, all that kind of stuff uh, that's that's going on in, in this very shady club in Gelsenkirchen. And uh, yeah, they, uh, their wage bill has always been bloated and now they sort of need to shrink back to who they really are. And uh, it really comes at the worst possible time for them. So, which is why, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the funeral march because uh, this is uh, not turning around anytime soon, I think. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to a season full of Schadenfreude, if nothing else, Matthias. So, um, yeah, th there you go. Um, so before we end the show, we have a couple of listeners, qu listener questions and, uh, at BVB Indie asks, with Piszczek giving up the armband, do you know the new packing order of Dortmund captains, Royce, Hummels, Witzel, Birki, something like that? Matthias, do you know? No, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, Reus, Hummels, and then we'll see. I mean, Piszczek stepping down. I think that, you know, just the fact that it's his last season as a professional kind of makes sense. Let somebody else step into that role. I don't know if Witzel would be the right one um, necessarily. Uh, Bürki, yeah, could make sense. He is a leader on the pitch, um, and, and goalkeepers oftentimes have to be. Uh, other than that, I mean, Emre Can, but he hasn't been with the club long enough, I think. Uh, but just his nature would kind of put him in that position. Thomas Delaney just isn't a high enough profile player, I think, and not regular enough starter. But, uh, I, I could see Royce. Hummels, Birki, Chan, and then maybe Witzel. Maybe. Yeah, I think Witzel is actually a bit higher up than you give him credit for, but uh, I'm not entirely sure. But I still think that's a good occasion just to uh, talk about the uh, uh, greatness of, of Lukas Piszczek because um, I think it's the right thing to do. And uh, Mats Hummels right now, I mean, he, before he left, he was the Dortmund captain and... Uh, you know, after the first season, to me at least, it seems that he's sort of assuming that role quite naturally again, um, especially in uh, Marco Royce's absence. I mean, the club has uh, firmly said that Royce will definitely be captain and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I, I think uh, for, for Piszczek to, to sort of drop that responsibility is a very uh, smart move. And so obviously his he knows that his word still has a lot of weight in the dressing room, but... Um, yeah, it's going to be weird without him. Uh, that that's for sure, Matthias. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be, you know, extra sad that Lukas Piszczek has to sort of retire in a season where fans are not really around. Yeah, I mean, he's been with the club for so long. Um, I mean, it's you you think back, Klopp. Piszczek, uh, the the glory years, unfortunately not winning the Champions League, uh, getting really close there, and then a few seasons where you weren't sure, uh, is this it? You know, has he just lost a step and he's come back? I don't know, not necessarily better than ever, but reinvented himself under Lucien Favre, uh, the coach that really transformed him originally, of course, from a striker to a right back, and so... Um, 
I, there, it's a little poetic that he's ending his career with Lucien Favre and the man that really helped him have a very good career. But yeah, no fans. That kind of sucks. But, you know, that's that's just the world we live in right now. And and he's mature enough now to, to kind of understand that. I think when fans get back and it's more back to normal, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a Lukas Piszczek fan appreciation day or something at a home match where we beat Schalke 6-0 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he said personally that he is not the biggest fan of farewell games. Uh, he had something like that with uh, Poland and he doesn't like the attention. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what uh, fans can do, but I'm sure they, they will do something for him because uh, obviously he will leave the club as an absolute legend. And uh, we have another question, Matthias. And uh, <laughs> since you are our fashion expert in uh, the wake of Lars, who isn't here, um, uh, I'm, I'm very excited to hear your opinion. Um, Jordan Clary asks, can you guys discuss the three new kits on the next episode? This is Dortmund. This is our new cup jersey. Well, I don't know about you, Matthias, but I think the uh, third, the cup jersey or whatever it's called, absolutely looks like a pajama. What are your opinions? Well, um, I mean, uh, after the um, the polka dot years, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily the the number one fashion guy to ask about this. Um, I mean. Ugh, I don't know. I mean, that white shirt. I mean, the, like you said, it looks kind of like pajamas. It's it's a little weird. I'll be honest. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, the I, I, tiger stripe things. It's it's not necessarily horrible, except <laughs> for that. You know, it's not terrible. <laughs> Um, that's praise, right? You know, it's great versus, well, it's not horrible. If it wasn't for the black one in one square in the middle, that just totally kills any flow. I mean, I'll be honest, that black one in one square in the middle, I don't think you can, I mean, even if it was just a plain classic, uh, yellow and black jersey, it would still just look odd. Um, but it, it kind of is what it is. <laughs> and, but with those stripes or lightning, whatever that is supposed to be. I think it's, it's, it's just inspired from Pokemon. I'm thinking of electric. Yeah. Here. Maybe. I don't know. It, we'll, we'll just, we'll hope. So if I remember correctly, the polka dot year was the year Dalton got to the, ch was it the Champions League final? No, uh, wasn't that the first? Or was the double? No, that that was the the, the second champions. Uh, yeah, that's true. Season, but it, yeah. I mean, let's just hope the performance is better than the jerseys this year. Yeah, I think I wrote for the yellow wall uh, that uh, this season's jersey is just ugly enough for a championship <laughs> because I feel like uh, Dortmund's uh, championship winning years uh, haven't been blessed too too much with. Uh, beautiful jersey so i have to say the uh, 2000 
10, 11 wasn't, wasn't all that bad, to be honest, but uh, the 11, 12 one, the one you talked about, yeah, wasn't, wasn't really <laughs> great, but uh, yeah, uh, I also, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the away shirt either, you know, with the uh, doodles in, in, in gray uh, on, on the lower side, I don't know, it kind of looks a bit lazy, uh, I really would have appreciated uh, if they had went for the all black shirt that they uh, rolled out for for one special game, that would have been uh, absolutely delicious. But yeah, um, that being said, obviously we can't blame uh, Puma entirely for this because uh, I assume that they come up with a amount of uh, draft pitches and then Dortmund's uh, in s somewhere someone uh makes a decision uh, of of picking the shirt um yeah so whoever that is maybe we need to investigate maybe uh, we need the yellow wall hive uh to find that person so we can scold him or her um yeah uh not 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 too happy um i think i read that the uh the third kit uh with the little squares uh, that looks a bit like a pajama uh, for the uh, cup competitions the, the german cup and the champions league um, has been inspired by the Dortmunder U-Gebäude, so the the big building with uh, uh, which which used to be obviously the Unionsbrauerei in in the uh, hub of Dortmund. Um, yeah, uh, I I I'll be honest, even with the uh, uh, video wall that's on on the top of it, I I just don't see it. To be honest, I mean it's a nice touch if that's how you try to inspire yourself for it, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's really hard to glean that from that, uh, Matthias. I don't know uh, if 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 your keen fashion eye can uh, connect the dots here, but I just can't. I didn't see that at all, but you know, maybe that's just me. Yeah, or or connect the squares rather. Am I right? <laughs> anyway, I think that's a very good moment to end it. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks Jordan uh, for that question, uh, but uh, we don't really have too many answers here, uh, but. Uh, I will say this, I like the training kit, so, um, you know, if uh, Bruce Dortmund or anyone wants to send us some, uh, go ahead. And uh, that all being said, Matthias, I think if, if Puma or whoever approaches us to do a giveaway or whatever, we will obviously immediately uh, become total sellouts and... Uh, oh, of course. That's, that goes without saying. And, and market these pristine <laughs> garments. Um, anyway, uh, so, yeah. In the meantime, Matthias, uh, please uh, tell our listeners how to get in touch with you on the old microblogging universe. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matthias Uck. Very well. You can find me at Stefan Botsko and you can find all of us on Twitter and Facebook at Yellow Wall. If you want to become a patron, please go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall where you then have access to uh, our written content where I occasionally translate interviews and write little features and opinions and, and whatnot. Uh, it's just one buck a month and you support this podcast. As always, thank you everyone out there for listening. I hope uh, you had fun listening to the show and I don't know if we'll be back next week or not because it's still pre-season uh, pre and uh, it's a bit touch and go for us. But uh, anyway, until next time and goodbye.